everybody welcome to pretty scary pretty scary boo pretty scary boo caitlin what's caitlin got going on that she can't be here this week posthumously caitlin is no longer with us wait what what that that po- posthumous that means she, she caitlin didn't die she's had a baby she did have a baby she had a baby she's socially dead oh well i mean our, her hopes and dreams have gone down in flames for sure <laughs> totally but uh, beyond that, I mean, she's still alive and kicking and... Yeah, she had a cute little boy. I think it looks like the father, her husband. Super cute kid. Weird. Looks like the dad? <laughs> yes. Mm, sure questionable. Does. So is it really Caitlin's baby? I don't think so. I or bet is she was it a surrogate for Miles' her, baby? Her husband, Miles, and some, ah. somebody else. Some other woman. She just carried oh. it. Oh, it could what be. What if it was my She egg. just carried <laughs> it. Yes. Like carry out, K-A-R-I, oh, I get it. like the Chinese way they do it. You you said that, but you spelled it like your name. No, there, you said, like if you look at like uh, Chinese takeout, it says carry out and it's spelled my name. <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> you can Google that too. I'll give you a list of things to Google. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be, I, I trust you. <laughs> I trust you. So yeah, what are, it's it's weird. I think we're we're putting this episode up this week. So there will be an episode next week with Caitlin on it. So yeah. That'll all seem very weird and out of order. Like she came back quick from having I mean, that kid. From what she told us, she had the baby in two pushes, which doesn't seem fair. That's pretty swift. I mean, good for her. That is a swift delivery. I mean, that's like my worst nightmare is being in labor. But I often, I think we've talked about this, I always have a dream that I'm nine months pregnant and I never know who the father is. But my other worst fear, besides like, how am I going to pay for this kid? I'm a single parent, is, oh my God, how much is the labor going to suck? And am I going to poo on the table? Oh, yeah. You don't want to poo on the table. But I think most people do. Probably. Yeah. We, uh, we found out Caitlin had the baby while we were um, attempting to record the Monday show this week. But it, we had crazy technical difficulties. We record an entire episode that is unusable. Was Two episodes. A, was it a good one? It was very good. It was we recorded an episode of the Monday show and an episode of the Advice podcast and they were both fantastic and they are unlistenable. And I still don't know what happened. Uh Winter knocked this mixer off the desk at one point and this podcast I recorded with Jeff and Raquel was the first one after that. So maybe I just hadn't massaged this thing back to life <laughs> enough yet. So <laughs> I'm not, I'm not laughing at you. I feel like you are, but go on. <laughs> yeah. At the situation. Because, you know, dogs do the darndest things. She's so cute. She's, She's such a so cute. She's so cute. And she has a great social media following. She gets a lot of likes. At Winter Soldier Neeson on Instagram. She has. You should she, follow her. She has a following, yeah. She writes in first person, which, again, very talented. She's a talented dog. I didn't start the account, so I don't even know where it came from. Yeah, I don't know. That's weird. Pretty crazy. Pretty uh, crazy boo. Pretty crazy boo. Well, I'm sorry that that happened to your your shows. Cause... Oh, it's fine. I mean, Jeff and Raquel were out. They had to travel. Yeah. So it was kind of inconvenient for them. But <laughs> it's fine for me. I just yeah. I'm here anyway. I so. mean, do we really care if we inconvenience? Maybe not Raquel, but I mean like Jeff. Like, yeah. 
Jeff's used to being inconvenienced by I mean, me. It's, it's just fine. like his life is an inconvenience. It sure is. <laughs> sure is. So is Winter grounded or what? No, she's she's fine. She's a good puppy. It was my fault for not having a lock on the door. <laughs> you know how it goes. I could have done more to keep this from happening. You have a black eye, Adam. How did that happen? <laughs> Winter loves me. <laughs> you know, Winter shut the door and just my face is right in Sometimes, sometimes I say things that make her mad. It's my fault. She just loves me too hard. Yeah, exactly. So what are we talking about today? We're talking about crimes that happened on Halloween. We did this same thing for Christmas last year. And, if and I you, think for the Super Bowl. Did we do Super Bowl crimes? Yeah, we did something like that. Yeah, I feel like we did. But we last year when we tried to do crimes that happened at Christmas, that's the episode where I got violently ill. <laughs> In the middle of it. Okay, this time I was laughing at you. Because <laughs> <laughs> that, I can still hear it echoing, or, like, in the kitchen sink. Because it was right there. It was so bad. It was... I love that it didn't dawn on me and Caitlin to check on you, but thank God for Angie. Am I right? Well, yeah, Angie was here, so you didn't really need to check yeah. on me. But I mean, it still would have been nice if I would have at least poked my head out. <laughs> <laughs> How are you doing there, ATB? I, well, we were still recording while I was throwing up, so... <laughs> no. I could tell how much you and Caitlin cared <laughs> after listening to the episode again. The laughter. It did bring us a lot of laughter. It was it was pretty funny. It was I've never gotten that sick that fast. Wasn't it from like a, a chocolate? Like a Trader, Trader Joe's? Trader Joe's uh chili chocolates. Yeah. One of them had this like jalapeno jelly in the middle and because I think then that Angie was Angie got sick. Right. The we next all, day. Yeah. Like she was at least courteous enough to like wait for us to leave. Sure, sure. Right. Yeah. She has so she, maybe you take... she has manners. I don't. <laughs> right. That's the difference and there. As far as etiquette goes. She knows it. You need to learn it. I don't get a kit. <laughs> I don't, like I don't get it, but I put etiquette at the end of So what's the first one, Adam? Okay. So we're talking about the trick or treat murder first. <laughs> this one happened way back in nineteen fifty seven. These old timey fucks. Joan Rabel and Goldine Pizer planned the murder of Peter Fabiano for months. It started with Joan laying the groundwork by continually telling Goldine that Fabiano was a vile, evil man who wanted to, to destroy all the people around him. Owned two hair salons, by the way, which, how many evil dudes own hair salons? I don't know. Who's that guy who has his own, God, his own, like, hair salon and, like, product line? Paul Mitchell? No. Something, I think it might be, like, a Thomas something. Anyway, his sister is Robin Anton. I think John Anton? Oh, I I remember his show. Yeah. And then Robin Anton was uh, a pussycat doller. She, like, choreographed for them. Yeah. Yeah, I remember that guy's show. I watched the shit out of it. I don't remember what it was called or why I Did watched it. Did that one have it. Tabitha on it? I don't know. Who's uh, Tabitha? Uh, <laughs> everyone knows who Tabitha is. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, oh. God, mud in your eye. That's embar- I'm embarrassed this for you. This is awkward. Let's just move on, yeah, I guess. let's do it. The interesting thing is when I read the article that accompanied this, uh-huh. and I read this a couple times because it doesn't. It still really doesn't go into what he did that made him such an awful human being. Right. Like, we're worthy of killing. I mean, that sounds awful to say, but, yeah, I didn't really understand yeah, the they, motive. Yeah, they don't really explain what she told Goldine to make Goldine do this. But whatever it was, Goldine traveled with a male companion to a gun store in Pasadena, because it was 1950, 1957. 
Did you just... 1950... No, I said something very vulgar and just played it in reverse. I don't know how you heard it that way. That's supposed uh, to be an after something like Worship the thing. Devil and I... Yes. Yeah. Don't, I don't heard play. what you said in reverse. Okay. Don't... Yeah, don't play it back. So this was 1957, obviously. You're not just going to show up at the gun store as a woman by yourself. You probably get committed to a mental institution for that. So she took a male friend with her to pick out a 38 Smith & Wesson for home protection. And then Goldine returned to the same gun store three days later with Joan Rabel. Joan gave her the money to buy the gun and two bullets. How do you sell two bullets in a gun and not, as a gun store employee, immediately pick up the phone and say, hey, I just sold a gun to someone who's clearly going to commit murder with it? Okay, first of all, they were probably rotary phones, so if you, I mean, he's probably still dialing, he's oh, still yeah. probably going all the way around, <laughs> actually, like, you know, they were probably already home by the time he finished, <laughs> completed dialing 911. I think it's interesting, I didn't know you could buy bullets, like, like. Cindy. Yeah. Did they just have like a, a bucket, like the spare like gum you can buy? Bullets? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like just pick a few and, you know, they're like 50 cents each Oh, there's two in here that fit. <laughs> Let's take these. Again, I never know what accent's going to come out. It's like a, it's like an well, accent uh, mystery box. Well, this is always the accent for things <laughs> that happened in the 50s, see? Okay. I think I was kind of on that. <laughs> <laughs> it just keeps changing. It does. So at around 11.30, Goldine put on a Halloween mask and walked to the front door with a gun concealed in a trick-or-treat bag. I'm not going to do that the rest of the podcast. It would get a little grating, but that was a really good old-timey voice. Thank you. Yeah, but that would be exhausting if I did that. People would be like, I'll just wait until the next one. (laughs) I paid for this one. Yeah, this one you might want to have a beer for (laughs) On Halloween night, 1957, they sat outside the home of Peter and his wife, Betty, waiting for the couple to finally turn off their bedroom light. At around 11.30 p.m., Goldine put on a Halloween mask and walked to the front door with a gun concealed in a trick-or-treat bag. She rang the doorbell. Peter answered, at which point Goldine raised the gun and shot him in the chest. He died shortly thereafter. They burned the costume, and before parting, Joan's last words to Goldine were, Forget you ever knew me, broad! After police questioned Fabiana's wife, it was revealed that she'd recently reconciled with Peter after splitting over her affair with Joan Rabel, a former employee of one of the salons Peter owned. And now this was the 50s again. So even the article that I pulled a lot of this from, which is an L.A. Times blog, which, by the way, if you go to unpops.com, you can find links to all the shit we talk about on this episode. But they even mentioned that Back then, news outlets and police in general were really hesitant to look into lesbians or right. gay relationships as anything other than evil. Like the with the Black Dahlia murders, I guess there was a lot of lesbian talk, and they were treated like they were. And that was right around the same savages. Time. Yeah. So that was mentioned in um, the newspaper article, and that's the thing. When I read this the first time, I read it so quickly. I was thinking that Joan had an affair with the husband, Peter, and so he was upset that he got back with the wife. And then upon rereading, they had a picture of Goldine and Joan, and it said something about, like, yeah, the police don't like to delve into lesbian affairs. And I was like, wait, wait, who? (laughs) Wait, like, who's a lesbian? Like, who's on first? Like, I I was trying to figure it out. And then when I pieced it together, I was like, oh, this is like an even better story because of lesbians. The other thing they said in the article, which I thought was so sad, 
you just don't really get what Goldine's motive was. Like Goldine's just like, I don't know. He said, like she said that he was a bad guy. And then uh, the article said something like, oh, Goldine was like, like you have a smart one, which is Joan, who's a mastermind. And then you have a Patty who carried out this for whatever reason. And I mean, you still don't get like, was it just loyalty? It is like money was exchanged. Like, why would she kill this person? And then I also noticed, so Joan... Rabble, Rabel, whatever. Right. Ended up having an affair with Betty Fabiano. Right. Betty and Joan. Oh, Betty and Joan. Betty and Joan. Oh. Okay. That took a lot out of me. There was like three we, But we got there, though. On. We got there pretty quick, I, sh- I would say. Yeah. So that's the, that's the Halloween or the trick-or-treat murder is what that came to be known as. And that happened. I think that happened in L.A., right? I believe it did. L.A. is a wild place. Let's talk about Ronald O'Brien. Yes. Fun nicknames alert. The Candyman mm-hmm. or the man who killed Halloween. The man who killed Halloween is a great. It's a it's not a nickname. You can't show up and be like, hi, I'm the man who killed Halloween. Like, that's not a nickname you get to say about yourself, but it's still a cool name. Why couldn't I don't know. It's just like that feels like a, a title you have to be given. Like when Michael like Jackson always called himself the King of Pop. And it's like no one like but like that's not true. Yeah, like like you just call yourself you? that. And yeah. it, so maybe the Candyman is better. Yeah, I don't know. I actually saw this on one of those investigation discovery shows. Uh, so I knew the story. However, it doesn't make it any la- less sad or make Ronald Clark O'Brien, any less loathsome, in my opinion. Yeah, he is a real piece of shit. Uh, Ronald O'Brien was convicted of killing his eight-year-old son, Timothy, on Halloween 1974 by way of cyanide lace pixie sticks. His motive was collecting on a life insurance policy. At the time of the murder, he was $100,000 in debt. That's a lot. I'm not That's gonna, a lot now. I'm not so going to sugarcoat like, it. That's a lot. In 1974, that was like a quadrillion dollars. That's that, like take. Or, I wasn't even born yet, and I'm old. A million or two. Yeah, it's, it's just it's a lot of it's a lot of money. But then it's kind of like, well, what kind of debt? Like I have like seven thousand dollars in credit card debt, but I would have more if I had credit like credit cards that would extend me more credit. Right. And like, how so anno- how did he get so much credit extended to him? How annoying are your phone calls from bill collectors that you got to kill your kid over it? I don't feel like they had FICA scores in 74. I'm very confused about how we got such and jealous about how we got such an extensive line of credit. That's true. I did I did read that part of it. I don't know if I put it in the notes, but he was about to be fired from his job as an optician in Sharpstown, Texas for stealing. So maybe that had to do had some to do with it. What is it about opticians? Wait, opticians? He was opticians, an optician, yeah. Which is an eye doctor and dentist that yeah. you think like there was like They've got like the shittiest of the doctor jobs, so maybe like they're silently seething throughout their whole career. But those always end like end up being like the most badass motherfuckers. But they're the ones who never have to witness any death. Like you don't ever go in as a dentist and come home like, oh, there's one I couldn't save today. Yeah, that's died in the chair. It's like you're just that's like the office job of being a doctor. Yeah. What, What are you bitching about? It's crazy that like the eye doctor, because any eye doctor I have, like they're always like so gentle. Like I like their hands, like you know, like zero yeah. cal- zero calluses. 
Oh, yeah, for I'm sure. I'm just going to gently touch your lid and then tell me, is one better or two better? I think I nailed the optician I, I think accent. you did that, yeah. I think I found my calling. So anytime there's like an optician, I would like to be the I'll, voice. Yeah, I'll, I'll tap you in, obviously. Interesting. So, yeah, his motive was collecting money. He had also, in addition to working as an optician, he was also the deacon at the Second Baptist Church. That's another one. Yeah. He was a fucking deacon. Yeah. It's never like, I don't know, an usher. <laughs> and it's rarely like, I guess, the priest. But yeah, it's always like the main guy. Wasn't the BTK guy, wasn't he a deacon? Yep, he worked at the, he was a deacon. <sighs> Motherfucking deacons. Motherfucking deacons. I want that I want that one to trend. I want that to be our next one. Because fuck Bobby Fisher, we probably had about five. So when I say trend, And is that five, not enough to get it trending? It, it trended in my heart. Yeah, it's politics. Fucking Facebook <laughs> politics. Semantics. If we were harassing some woman on Twitter, it would have trended. Me too, motherfucking. <laughs> Whatever we said, deacons. Uh, so on Halloween night, O'Brien and a neighbor took their four kids, cumulative four kids. The neighbor had two. O'Brien had two. He also had a daughter named Elizabeth. And they take the kids trick-or-treating. And at one point, they knock on the door of a home and no one answers. The kids start getting impatient, so O'Brien sends everyone ahead while he waits to see if maybe they'll answer the door. And when does that ever happen in the history of trick-or-treating? It doesn't, but that's, okay, one, kids are dumb. I mean, they just are. Yeah, yeah. But two, it's like you're raised to trust your parents. Right. I'm sure my parents lied to me many a time, but it's like, you know, you're going to get in trouble if you don't believe them. You're going to get, like, grounded or spanked or something. Yeah. Yeah, he... uh, So after everyone goes ahead and he waits behind, sure enough, a few minutes later, he catches up with the group, and he's got five 21-inch pixie sticks. Those are the full-size ones. What a monster. That's almost two feet. So, like, where was he hiding them at? I think he was just carrying them. I think what he did is he went to that door, and he was like, okay, well, I'll wait while you all go ahead. And then he caught up and was like, hey, they were actually home, and they gave me all these pixie sticks. So, like, they just didn't notice that he had them? Well, he – because remember, they knocked on the door, and the kids got all impatient. So he told everyone else to go ahead, and he waited at this house. Right. And then when he comes back and catches up with the group, that's when he's like, hey – there were people home, and they had these pixie sticks. Right, but I'm saying, where did he hide the pixie sticks? Oh, that I don't know. I mean, he might have stashed them somewhere, or... What if they were up his butt? I hope they were up his butt. <laughs> what if they were fine, and he just had cyanide up his butt, and it leaked in to the pixie sticks, and he killed the kid on accident? They didn't check that angle. I what if an, feel like they did not. An owl flew over him and dropped the pixie sticks I'm into his hand. still a little uptight about the owl discussion. <laughs> so I still have PTSD from when we talked to Aphrodite Jones about the owls. We got to get her back on. She was great. I think she would come on. Um, I guess everyone should have a corner. I would love it if she would come to L.A. and we could actually have her in studio. Yes, that would be pretty awesome. Yeah, she, she was great. I think she would be great to have. In person, because then like you go like bar crawl, you know, would go like pub crawling. Oh, do you think she drinks? Um, (laughs) I don't know. She seems like a like to me. She seems like she's like a party girl, like kind of like a fun aunt. She's just like maybe low key about it, like professionally. She seemed a little drunk on the episode we had her on last time, but in her defense, it was like eleven o'clock at night, her time. Yeah, so she is. 
more than allowed to be a little drunk at 11 o'clock at night. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, she seemed a little boozy at crime. But I mean, she seemed drunk in like a... It's it's eleven o'clock at night and I'm right. winding down. Well, I mean, not we're like all holy drunk shit, at- Aphrodite Jones drinks. Crime con, so it was just like yeah. you know, who's drunk or mere Aphrodite? You know, he's just like, yeah. No, we need to get her in studio. And we'll knew. all we'll all throw down while we record. Get that Caitlin, would be fun. get Caitlin back here, and then we'll- she'll be able to drink again soon. She's eating salmon again. Yeah, I saw, I saw that. <laughs> that was she posted that on Facebook and was like, "I've been waiting so long to eat this." And I was like, "Really, salmon?" <sighs> I, I guess love if you're Kate. not Caitlin allowed to have can't it. can't ho- help posting. If you were to put her in a straight jacket and be like, you can't post for 24 hours, like you would come in and check on her 24 hours later and she'd be like foaming at the mouth. Like, <laughs> Give me a keyboard. I can see that. <laughs> so after he brings back these five 21-inch pixie sticks, he gives one each to the four kids that they're trick-or-treating with. And later on, he recognizes another kid from church and gives one to him knowing that all of these are laced with potassium cyanide. Right. And when they get home, this is dark, Timothy, his son, asked if he could eat his pixie stick. He had trouble getting the powder out, so his dad helped loosen the powder so his son could eat the pixie stick easier. Timothy O'Brien died on his way to the hospital a few hours later. The pixie stick in question had been opened, the top two inches filled with cyanide powder, and then resealed with a staple. And I thought that was crazy at first, but now that I think back, I think I do remember a time when these were just sealed with a staple, which seems like an easy thing. I mean, all they did to when they got rid of the staples, they just like started melting the edges together. Yeah. Like people don't have access to sufficient heat to melt plastic back together so you could probably still do this so if there was a staple on like how hard is a staple oh he couldn't get sorry the cyanide out of the pixie stick container not that right. he's gonna open the pixie stick container so cyanide that's the one where like you like your lips turn like white and you start foaming at the mouth yeah and it's what spies and, take to yeah. kill themselves like right away god that's awful and yeah that's how his son died uh None of the other kids that O'Brien handed the candy out to ate it. So police were able to get all of the candy back. And here was uh, one of the things that really tripped this guy up. Because he pro- he could have gotten away with this, in theory. But it rained on Halloween that year. So the group that he went out trick-or-treating with only visited homes on two streets. So that made figuring out where this candy would have come from a lot easier. And it also made it a lot less likely that he would have forgotten where he got five gigantic pixie sticks from. And then police also interviewed everyone on those two streets and no one reported giving pixie sticks out. So that's when police arrested O'Brien. I said arrested O'Brien. And they uh, found that he had taken out several life insurance policies on both of his children in the weeks prior to the crime. He'd also visited a chemical supply store, but left after learning the minimum amount of cyanide powder he could buy was five pounds. They still don't know where he got the cyanide that he eventually used to kill his kid. From the owl. Probably. Mm -hmm. Cyanide owl. Uh, A jury took 46 minutes to convict him of one count of capital murder and four counts of attempted murder. They spent another 71 minutes sentencing him to death for those crimes. This guy changed the game. He was, everyone was scared of tainted Halloween candy after him. <laughs> they should have been. Yeah. 
But they were scared of it from strangers. It's like, no, is your dad doing too much gambling? Don't let him go trick-or-treating with you. Like, he probably thought he was committing the perfect murder without... Oh, yeah, for sure. Because they're... Yeah, the logistics. Like, oh, they're going to figure out it was the candy. Because by that time, those stories about people putting razor blades in apples and things, those had started... Those were the good old days. Yeah, those stories were going around already. Yeah. And I think he was thinking he would just pin it on that. That's why he gave candy to all the The kids. kids, But figure out how to give it to not just the kids in your group, dummy. Well, he gave it to one other kid. Oh, yeah, that's true. But again, can you imagine? It's like, oh, yeah, Deacon O'Brien gave me this. Like, it's got to be okay. Yeah, that's that's harsh. This is a a harsh crime. I'm just trying to turn the finger off. I was... I had my my finger in it. At some point, we're going to have to figure out... uh, reason to finger but so far i don't feel like there's been a very good fingering instance it hasn't been a finger worthy episode but we'll get there we'll get there we'll get there should we talk about the next crime the leslie mazara and adrienne insagna murders we should this is the nightmare because this is a mostly random crime with no explanation see so i I, i've watched it repackaged twice i think one was um on ox- oxygen, I'd say snapped, but I guess that wouldn't make sense. I mean, snapped would kind of make sense, maybe. And, and, I, and I actually just saw it on another channel um, the other day because they were talking about Halloween murder. So I have heard of this one. I do th- think in one of those that I watched, it was ex- explained a little bit as to like the connection. I, even though this explains the connection, but like possibly like why he did it. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, Yeah. Well, just to go through what happened on Halloween night 2004, it was technically the morning of November 1st, but Eric Koppel broke into a home rented by Adrian Insagna, Leslie Mazzara, and Lauren Mianza. Mianza woke up at 1 a.m. after hearing a scuffle happening somewhere in the house, and like a pussy, she fled and hid in the backyard. She saw an assailant climb out. Such a pussy move. Right? Get in there and fight, lady. Come on. You just got woke up from sleep. Like, aren't you angry? And aren't you well-rested and ready to battle? (laughs) Right. What the fuck? So she uh, fled and hid in the backyard. She sees an assailant climb out a window a short time later, goes back inside, and finds her roommates slaughtered. (sighs) This is, like, such a crazy fear, especially being a girl and having had girl roommates just, like, Fuck, being especially woken li- up in the dark. Especially living in a house. Like, houses, like, yeah. renting a house always makes me nervous because houses are easy to break into. I agree. Like, the, the where I'm living now, for someone to break in, it would be a brazen crime. Yeah. Because you'd have to kick in a door in a hallway that has a security camera. You know who's going to be all over that shit? Winter Soldier yes, Neeson? Yes. Okay. Okay. I, I can't believe I had a point at her for you to guess. I didn't know if you meant, like, uh, Aphrodite Jones <laughs> or... Any of the true crime people we know, they would or the Iron Giant. They would they would cover us kindly. That was the nice thing about having uh, Winter when I watched her. It's like when people would go by, like she would growl, and it's like I don't know if she'd do anything, but she might. But yeah. just the fact that she kind of like alerted me. But still, Danielle and I sleep with um, the light like on our microwave. 
on. Oh, really? Yeah. It's And she even said she was kind of like, why do you leave it on? I'm like, I don't know. It's just there's something comforting, I guess, about not being completely in the dark. Yeah. Well, I always leave these string lights that are in the studio yeah. and we have a set in the living room. I always leave those on. Yeah. Like, at like pretty much 24 hours a day. Yeah. Because they don't take up that much energy and they're so low power. But at night, it's nice to just have a little glow yeah. somewhere if you have to come out into the living room. In case this guy's out here getting ready to murder your roommates. Yeah, for sure. I would hope that I would be the one that got away. I might be the only one who feels that way. But <laughs> in this scenario, I would like to be the Mianza girl. Yeah, she's definitely the lucky one here. Yeah. Uh, FBI agents interviewed more than 1,500 people in the case. They collected a lot of evidence. They know a lot about ha- what happened. What they don't really know is why exactly it happened. Koppel lived a mostly normal life for 11 months after the crime before turning himself into authorities. I don't think he had any criminal record before this, right? I don't believe so. And the the break came when investigators discovered cigarette butts outside the crime scene with unknown DNA that matched blood inside the crime scene. The brand of the cigarette was unique, Camel Turkish Gold. Eventually, the surviving roommate mentioned that the only acquaintance they knew who smoked at all was Eric Koppel, the fiancé at the time of their friend Lily Prudhomme. By the time of his arrest, Koppel had married Prudhomme and invited the families of his victims to the wedding. Yes, they did go. So sick. Yeah, that is fucked up. Yeah, I don't know. It makes you wonder about the psychology. You know, again, here's a seemingly normal man who kills his friend's no, his fiance, his girlfriend's friends. And I believe in at least one of the shows that I watched, they just talked about um, Koppel and his girlfriend Lily having issues and that maybe he was insecure with like the her friends, the girls who got murdered, talking her into breaking up with him. Oh. So he was trying to eliminate them as a threat. And he was also very apparently needy of like her time, like very codependent with her. Oh. So that was the motive that I was given in one of the episodes, which makes sense. Yeah, I mean, for a crazy motherfucker I mean, it's, like yeah, this. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, it, it doesn't make sense, but it. Right. I can see why a crazy person. Like it wasn't, necess- it wasn't random yeah. necessarily. Right. And he finally turned himself in after his wife pressured him to give a DNA sample like a total bitch. Such a bitch. What the fuck? Stop nagging, lady. So, like, I feel like it would already be a red flag if Andrew was like, hey, Adam, uh, there was this murder and uh, it'd be really nice if you would go give a DNA sample because <laughs> I think you might be a killer. Yeah. I mean, at, at that point, like, you're asking him to do that, I'm assuming not to exonerate him, but possibly because you have your own suspicions. Right, right. And at that point, he's got a, I don't know. The writing's on the wall. Yeah. You got to go, you got to give that DNA sample. Hopefully they have camel Turkish golds in prison. Or hell. They probably have them in both. <laughs> they probably I do. Bet. It's not a great brand. Uh, so, Koppel, after turning himself in, claimed he remembered taking a serrated knife and driving to the victim's home. He remembered climbing in through a window. He says he doesn't remember anything after that. But he does remember driving home after and burning his bloody clothes in his fire pit. Beyond that, he never really gave any motive or explanation for what made him decide to go from dude living a normal life to dude who brutally murders his friends on Halloween. Yikes. And then invites their parents to his wedding. Yeah, yeah. Have you watched the confession tapes yet? 
No, that and Mindhunter are both on my queue for to watch next. Please watch the confession tape so we can okay. talk about that first case because okay. I think those two kids were so fucking guilty. Okay. And people don't agree with me. But. Okay, yeah. I remember you talking about it, so um, I definitely will. Even though I had a week of vacation last week, um, and there were two days I just spent in bed watching Netflix. Oh, really? I still didn't get to those two, and I wanted to. That's how full and behind I was on. That's a good vacation. When you were, I did that a lot Netflix. when I had a corporate job. I would my vacations would be. I'm just not going to go to work for a week. Yeah, and I'm just going to stay home and fucking enjoy the shit out of being home. Well, the begin the first couple of days I was getting over bronchitis still, so oh, it was right, kind right. of lazy. Um, and then I was able to meet up with some people I hadn't seen in a while. With uh, one of them was Cat Reinhardt. Cat, we love Cat Reinhardt. And uh, just so you know, they recently had the um, memorial at the Hollywood Improv for Ralphie May. And oh, she right. had worked on a documentary about uh, Lana Turner, his ex-wife, and sure. Ralphie. And um, there's like a whole story behind it. Um, I'll tell you off air. But um, anyway, I, I have stories. I can tell you about it, too. So she um, actually went to the memorial. Kat went to the memorial to like record it. Because obviously, I mean, they were already like getting ready to like yeah. shop it to a couple different channels. And then, I mean, there was, it's, I mean, it's sad. But sure. at the same time, it's just kind of like. I mean, it's so surreal because I remember a couple of years ago when I just moved to LA, she was like, "Oh yeah, I'm you know recording with and Ralphie and Lana were together at the time." And it's like, wow, two years later, yeah, you know, like it's, it's I don't know. It's I so actually crazy. think the last time I saw Cat was when she was in Madison, Wisconsin, filming part of that documentary. Yeah, yeah and it was just... that was the first time I met Ralphie. We were... Oh, okay, you met him. I heard he's really nice. He was super nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah I met him in Wisconsin, like. A little, little over, probably two years ago. And I think that was the last time I saw Kat. Because I just happened to be in Wisconsin, and Lana and Ralphie and Kat were doing shows in Madison. And so we just went and hung out. That's and, cool. Yeah. Just another day for you. Ralphie May one day, Portugal the man the next. You know how it is. <laughs> no, I mean, I don't. I don't want to brag, but... Aphrodite Jones t- the next. If we have time, I will brag for <laughs> a few minutes, at least. Let's get to the next story. Let's do. Oh, by the way, I w- did want to admit that um, I did see that Koppel is now in the prison ministry. Of course he is. Of course he is. He, what a good guy. Yeah, it was on the other repackaged show that I saw um, last night in uh, the afterward, where it says what they're up to. Um, I said that he is now heavily involved in the prison ministry. No surprise there. Let's talk about the murders of Ronald Sisman and Elizabeth Platzman. Let's do it. This isn't, the murders themselves aren't that interesting. They happened on Halloween 1981. Sisman and Platzman were murdered in their Chelsea apartment. The couple was severely beaten. P.S. I love that you just read that like you were bored. The murders themselves weren't that interesting. I don't know. They got killed Halloween 1981. Yada, yada, yada. Fucking beat in 1981. But at first, police suspected drugs were the motive, and then shit got strange. According to a prison informant, he, uh, a, a prison informant claimed that one of his fellow inmates predicted the crime weeks before it happened. That inmate was David Berkowitz, a.k.a. the son of Sam. There had long been rumors that Berkowitz was involved with a cult that helped him commit all of those murders. He claimed or at least he allegedly said to this prison informant that that same cult was going to enter an apartment near Greenwich Village, which is close to Chelsea, 
and commit a murder on Halloween night, 1981. When he was questioned by police, he said Sisman had footage of one of the Son of Sam killings and that he was planning to turn it over to authorities. The killings still remain unsolved. That's fascinating. It is interesting because Caitlin and I did a little bit of research because it was, uh, God, was it the 30th anniversary of the Son of Sam? I think in August. Yeah. I think so. Um, Anyway, so and all the things I saw and some of it was uh, one of it was an ID um, investigation discovery story. uh, And then another one was an interview with him present day, which is so infuriating because he just has a goddamn chip on his shoulder. You bring up the murders and he's like, I don't want to talk about it. Like it bothers me. It's like, do you not think it bothered them when you killed them? Probably bothers a lot of people, (laughs) you fucking monster. Right. But then like you would bring up. The fact that he also is in the church ministry and he lit up like that's all he wanted to talk about was what a great guy he was. Anyway, it's anyway, they did not talk about this cult angle, um, which I wasn't familiar with. So this was. uh, Yeah, I've never heard anything about there being a cult involved with the son of Sam. Yeah, I was just that's an interesting crazy angle. Right. Um, So. So, yeah, there's not a lot of details to that one. But what's neat about that one is that. What's neat? David Berkowitz. What's really cool <laughs> is that David Berkowitz said it was going to happen, and then, oh, my God, it happened? Is that a finger moment? Yeah. <laughs> let, me, let me turn it on. I this know. is so much more of a process now. I know. But I feel like the fingers are getting harder and harder to turn on. It's really worth it. Well, you turn it on from the outside. How? You click. You just. Oh, it's one of the fingers? Yeah. <gasps> I did Other fingers. It's time down there. here. Down these two. These two. Oh, the pinky. There, we did it. Oh, my God. It's like magic. Oh, my God. Finger me. That was so easy. Yeah. These 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 fingers make it so much easier now. They really do. They really I'm do. Glad we got one out of the way because we're, we're coming into the home stretch. This is the last case Let's we have to talk about. The death of Chris Jenkins. Have we ever done an episode about the smiley face murders? We have not. We need to because that is one of the weirdest cases happening in the country right now. I thought it was, like, they figured out who it was. Wasn't it a truck driver? No, I don't think they figured out the smiley face Mm. murders. Because if they ever figure out these and it's everything people think it is, then he's going to be the most prolific serial killer probably in one of the most prolific in history. Because there's, like, 40 crimes tied to this rumor, basically. But let's, uh, what the... The crime we're talking about in particular is the death of Chris Jenkins. He was uh, last seen leaving a Minneapolis bar on Halloween night in 2002. Party my dude. Party down. His body was discovered four months later along the Mississippi River, still wearing his Halloween costume. More like party drown. (laughs) That actually was kind of funny. (laughs) Thanks. (laughs) The death was initially ruled accident or suicide. Jenkins' parents hired a private investigator convinced that their son had actually been murdered. Police reopened the case a few years later after receiving a tip in 2005 from an inmate who had specific details about the crime scene, including the specific spot where Chris Jenkins was thrown off a bridge. For some reason, I've always thought about that. Like, how crazy would it be if you were just walking over a bridge and a car full of fucking people pulled up, jumped out, and just grabbed you and threw you off. That would be almost an impossible crime to solve. But how often do you think that would happen where it's like a group of kids like were out like 
hitting mailboxes with a baseball bat and then well, they that's, happen to go across a bridge and see you and randomly throw you over? I mean, how often do you think that happens? Well, that's kind of what they think is happening with these cases because this this uh, was eventually ruled uh, a homicide. It was initially ruled accidental death, death or drowning, but or, it was suicide. Yeah, it was either it was ruled either accidental or suicide. And the thing is, there's a once they classified it as a homicide, it got linked to this case that the FBI may or may not actually be investigating called the smiley face murders. And the smiley face murders are all of these deaths of college age white males in college towns in the Midwest. There have been like 12 in La Crosse, Wisconsin alone. And in every case, these dudes are found in the water, drown, and it looks like they just got drunk and fell in the water and it's an accident. But there are these two retired NYPD cops who have started looking into these and they've noticed that there was a smiley face spray painted at the area where the bodies were found in like 15 different cases and their theory is that there is a serial killer or network of serial killers that are committing these crimes and getting away with it because in most cases it just looks like someone got drunk and like tried to go to the bathroom on the banks of the river and fucking fell in and drowned and it's such a weird case because they're the no one's ever acknowledged that it's happening I think I might be thinking of a different smiley face killer, actually. Um, I feel like I am familiar with this case from like a long time ago, like reading about it. Uh, I think it's interesting that he was found in his Halloween costume because honestly, that's how I would want to go. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I remember I was going to a Halloween party once and these two cars, I got into an accident and I mean, it wasn't like a very bad accident, but it was the funniest thing watching like this adult male bumblebee give a written statement to a cop. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's it. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was rather anticlimactic, but it still makes me laugh. But the the one thing, just the fact that no one's ever confirmed the smiley face murders are a thing doesn't make, like, I believe it's still, I don't think the police would tell us if they were investigating this because for one thing, that's bad form in a murder investigation because then any crazy out in the world can come forward and take responsibility for the crime. Or copycat it. Yeah. And so I, I think if there was ever a murder investigation where the police are probably following every letter of the rule book and trying to get it 100% right, it's the case involving a bunch of missing white males because that's the demographic there. So this that's, was in, I'm sorry, the 90s? Uh, well, it, this has never been solved. Like, they've never actually said there are smiley face murders happening. There have just been, like, 40 deaths of college-age white males in the Midwest who all died in rivers or bodies of water. And there is a theory that they're all linked. And these killings are still happening. Like, this one was in the 2000s. but. Huh. What if the owl was spray painting the smiley face? Uh, it wouldn't surprise me yeah, because me owls either. are murderous fucks that <laughs> yes. uh, commit crimes and are rarely brought to justice for it. Very versatile talons. They do. They, they can have... hold fire pokers. They can hold spray paint cans, pixie sticks that are two feet long. They can do any of those things. Mm. They're, they're good birds. 
They're good birds. I don't know that they're good birds. They're good birds. They're bad birds. They commit a little murder once in a while, but so Other do dogs. Than that. So do dogs. What do we? Don't get mad at dogs. <laughs> Love dogs. Don't we, puppy? Winter. She's passed the fuck out. She had a rough day. She had a hard day. Oh, she's up now. She says, I'm getting the fuck out of here. You're bothering me. Oh, oh there she comes. She's a good puppy. Oh. She's very good. Yeah. So that's the that's the last crime we have to cover. This is a nice compact episode. Was, we should probably get out of here. This was fun. It was. But may I say there was one more Halloween murder. The one that Ryan Ferguson got blamed for. Oh, went to really? prison for for 10 years was in St. Louis where that sports reporter got um, killed to death, I believe, with a tire, tire iron, but then choked with his own belt. And he was at a Halloween. It might not have been Halloween, but they were um, celebrating Halloween. And he was oh. like at a bar nearby with a, like a fake ID. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I th- I've heard of that case. The, the other one that one that we didn't cover was the Martha Moxley killer, yeah. which is the that Kennedy family member, Skakel. Michael Skakel, who's still not in prison. Well, he like, was. And then I think he's. It got his conviction got overturned, right. and he's been appealing it ever since. But I, as of I checked again while I was researching this, and as of right now, he is still not out of prison. Crazy excuse in that one. He said he was jerking off under the tree where her body was found, and that's why there was DNA on her body. I heard that he had climbed the tree and was masturbating, like sitting on a limb <laughs> with an owl on his shoulder. The owl was jerking him off with its. Talents. Talents. More like Very it's ta- talents. Right? Talented talents. Right? <laughs> it's a good bird. Hashtag talented talents. All right. What do we got to plug before we get out of here? We have a live podcast. We have to figure out what we're talking about on that live podcast. But uh, me and you are on it. Yeah. October with, 28th with Jeff and Quincy. With my nemesis May and Quincy Johnson. It's going to be at the Hollywood Hotel, October 28th, 9 p.m. It's free. And there's a comedy show before, correct? Comedy show before with Connor and Keith from the Mean Boys podcast and Chet Wilde and Travis Clark from That'll the Unpops Network. Wear a costume. We'll be giving out prizes I for have that a costume. shit. Nice. I, I don't think I have a costume. Is. I'll just go as Keith or something. Huh. Interesting. It'll be fine. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I think that's all we have to plug. What do you got to plug? No, that was it. Oh, um, okay. Doesn't Danger have a show the night before on Friday? Danger has the Nerd Rockers Ball the night before at Angel City Brewery in downtown L.A. on October 27th. And I will be at that. So will Vanessa Gritton, Tamara Catan, Keith Carey, Riley Silverman. Are you guys performing or... We're doing stand-up, and then oh, there's fun. music after Danger, and then a band called Memphis Vampires, Memphis Werewolves, something like that, and okay. then another band. It'll be good times. Good Come times. to all of that shit. Quincy's doing a bunch of stuff this weekend. If you're in L.A. <laughs> yeah, yeah. if you're in L.A., or if you're not, come anyway. Make it out to L.A. Get out here. Come see our show at the Hollywood Hotel. It will be worth the hundreds of dollars you'll spend <laughs> right. to fly last In minute. travel and yeah. hotel. You can just stay at the Hollywood Hotel, so that'll be easy. Oh, I'm yeah, sure that's cheap. Easy. Probably not expensive at all. I would agree. You'll be fine. All right. Let's get out of here. Carrie, say goodbye. Thank you again, Mick Hammond, for the fingers. Thank you, Mick. We it's really been months and months of enjoyment. We've been fingering nonstop. And you've made 
me fingering Adam and vice versa much easier. A lot easier. And more attainable. We really appreciate it. Thank you. All right. Goodbye, everybody. We love you.